Welcome to our sermon podcast here at City of Light Anglican Church. We are a new church in Aurora, Illinois, finding a new day in Jesus. We want to see the light of Jesus rise and shine in our hearts, in our homes, and in our neighborhoods. Thanks for joining us for today's message from Father Trevor. Tonight we gather together as a church and this community as a church across the world, to do what Joel described in our very first reading. He said, call a sacred assembly. Consecrate a fast. Consecrate a fast meaning set aside time. Um, We're doing that for this season of Lent. He said, call a sacred assembly, or another translation says, a solemn gathering. We're gathering together for something important. The very first week that my family moved into Aurora, four and a half years ago now, we were walking around the block for one of the first times, and we saw them setting up tables and inflating a bounce house. And it was one of the national night out block party nights that Aurora does every summer in dozens of places all across the city. And so we got to, right then, one of our very first days in our new neighborhood, meet our new neighbors and have hot dogs together, and the kids got to get sweaty with their new neighbor friends in the bounce house. And we got to meet the neighborhood police officer and the neighborhood police dog. And it was just an incredible welcome to the new neighborhood. And since then, we've been to so many um, parties that Aurora throws. Aurora is really good at throwing parties. Aurora will do a festival for just about any reason, just about any reason at all. Someone's flying a kite, let's do a kite festival. It's like, hey, there's an alley, we'll make an alley festival. What's the last book you read? Harry Potter. We'll do a Harry Potter festival. You don't have to get rights for that, right? There's a water lantern festival coming up. I'm excited about that one. That'll be cool. Dozens and dozens of times we've gathered with thousands of our neighbors in this community to enjoy life and to celebrate together. And then a few weeks ago, we gathered with a couple thousand of our neighbors in our community after the shooting for a very different reason. Not to celebrate life together, but to denounce death and to mourn together. We didn't gather for a festival, we gathered for a solemn assembly. And thinking about those two types of gatherings side by side, the juxtaposition is jarring. I prefer the festivals. And if it was up to me, I I would forget about those other gatherings. I would try to forget them at least. Tonight, we face the reality that our world is not a festival that while there are beautiful, good things still left over from God's good creation, that there are things that we must mourn, that there is a reality of death and sin. And so we're invited by the church to remember that we are dust, and to dust we shall return. Repent and believe the gospel. 
we'll say those words to one another in just a few minutes when ashes are placed on all of our heads. If you've never been to an Ash Wednesday service, we come up and it's called the imposition of ashes. It's an imposition. It's like when someone does something that you, you know, like someone invites themselves over to your house, they impose. Is that what death and sin does in our life? It's an imposition. Well, these ashes are imposed onto our heads in the shape of a cross. Those of us who are older, those of us in the so-called prime of life, whatever age group that would be, even our dear children, remember the reality of death and sin. I like to hide death away where we don't have to talk about it, see it, or think about it. We do that as a culture, don't we? I was struck by this quote from an Eastern Orthodox theologian named Alexander Schmemann, and with a name like that, he better be able to write beautiful things. Turns out he can. He says, we simply forget all of this. So busy are we, so immersed in our daily preoccupations. And because we forget, we fail. We manage to forget even death. And then, all of a sudden, in the midst of our enjoying life, it comes to us horrible, inescapable, senseless. When we remember death, we grieve. We grieve the horribleness, the inability to escape. But we also remember where death came from. The Apostle Paul, when he's writing to the church in Rome, he says, sin entered the world and death by sin so that now all of us have sinned and all of us will die. Death is here because of sin. It wasn't supposed to be this way. We weren't supposed to have to come face to face with death. It wasn't supposed to interrupt the good and beauty of this life. But now everything is impacted by the reality of sin and death. That shooting from a few weeks ago, that was a result of sin, a personal sin, a societal sin of our relationships with one another, of inequity economically and how work and jobs and terminations play into that, of a society that knows how to make weapons but not keep us safe from them, and an enemy that the Bible says is trying to destroy us, devil. Sin in ourselves, sin in our world, sin in Satan. When we gather together tonight and we remember that we are dust, we're, we are grieving, we are mourning what sin and death have done to our world, to those we love, and to us. We grieve the result of sin. We grieve what it's taken from us. Our Ash Wednesday invitation invites us to remember, but it doesn't end with remembrance. It starts there. It doesn't end there. We don't just acknowledge the reality of sin and death. We're invited to respond. We're invited to react and engage. Repent, we're told. 
turn away from sin. Don't be a part of it a part of it. There's a naming and a grieving that happens with sin and death, but we don't just name and grieve. We turn away from it. We fight against it. We stand up and say, I don't want to be a part of that. I don't know what your idea of sin is. Maybe you think about, oh, if I do something really bad, then that's a sin. Maybe you think of a list of do's and don'ts. Maybe you think of just kind of an old-fashioned culture that wasn't as enlightened as we are now, and we've kind of progressed past that. And so as long as you don't do anything that hurts or infringes on somebody else, you're fine to do whatever you want. I don't know what your idea of sin is, but the first thing that the Bible teaches us about sin is that sin is our enemy. Sin is our enemy. It opposes us. It wants to bring us pain and suffering. It wants to deceive us, to lie to us so that it can capture us and destroy us and kill us. It's bad for us. It wounds us physically, emotionally, spiritually. The Bible has a lot of different metaphors for sin. It says sin is like a lion crouching at the door, ready to pounce. It says sin is a burden that's too heavy to carry and we're crushed underneath the weight of it. It says sin is a stain on our clothes or on our body that won't come off, that makes us feel less than or like we're damaged. It says that sin is like a financial debt that is impossible to get out from under. The creditors are always calling, no matter how hard we work or what we do, there's no way of getting out from under this debt. Sin is like having a disease that just slowly eats away at our body, inside and out. Sin is like slavery, where it tells us what to do and we have no choice where we can't be the person God made us to be or do the work and mission in the world that we want to do, we have to do what someone else is making us do. Sin is like a king that rules over us. Sin is like a general who conscripts us into his army to fight his battles that make the world more full of death. Sin wants our ruin. But tonight, we're given the words of Jesus. We can repent. We can stand up to sin. We can turn away from sin. We can fight against sin. It doesn't have to control us anymore. It doesn't have to keep us captive anymore because Jesus is the one who says repent. He is the one who says, turn from that and follow me. Repent and believe the gospel. Believe the good news that sin doesn't have to be a slave master anymore. Sin doesn't have to be your creditor anymore. Sin doesn't have to be a lion in your life anymore. Sin doesn't have to be a weight on your back anymore. Sin doesn't have to be a stain on your life anymore. Jesus comes to say, you can turn away from that. You can turn to him. 
you can do the battle of fighting against sin. And it is a lifelong battle. I read a story on the Facebook wall of the National Park Service in the Outer Banks of North Carolina. This is uh, last year. They posted a photo of a 40-year-old Doritos bag that had washed up on the beach. And they were just collecting trash and garbage. There had been a big storm, and they were collecting garbage on the beach, and they found this bag, and they were like, this looks kind of weird. Why is that? What looks weird about it? And it was that the design on the bag was different because it was from 1979. So they said uh, this, uh, the bag design looked odd to us. We couldn't put our finger on why until we noticed the date in the lower corner, 1979. This serves as a reminder that plastic trash lasts a long time. In this case, almost 40 years. The battle of sin can be like that. It lasts a long time. We can think that we've cleaned it all up and another reality of sin will come washing up on the shore. We didn't know it was there, or we'd fought it before, and now we have to fight it again. It's a battle. It's our enemy. But the good news of Jesus is that we can fight that battle. That he gives us the strength, that he gives us the victory to keep fighting our compulsions, our consumptions, the justification of our own actions but the condemnation of other people's actions. We're so, it's so easy for us to, with laser focus, see sin in other people. We're like Republicans and Democrats. When someone else does something, we're like, ha, how could you do that? That's so terrible, that's wrong. And then someone pulls up the video of 10 years ago of us doing the same thing and the other side condemning us for being wrong, right? We're so good at seeing that in other people. How do we fight the battle of sin in ourselves? Repentance is saying, I'm gonna fight. I'm gonna enter into the struggle. I'm gonna turn away from that and turn toward Jesus. I'm going to fight for the world that was meant to be and for the person that God made me to be. I'm going to engage my will and choose the way of the Lord. How many times have you repented of that sin? Repent again and again and again. Keep fighting because it's our enemy. Don't stop. It won't stop until it's destroyed us. Don't stop until Jesus has destroyed it. Put it to death. (laughs) It is our mortal enemy. We remember that we are dust. We name and we mourn death and sin, but we repent, we turn from it, we fight it, and we believe the gospel that Jesus has come to forgive our sins, and not only to forgive our sins, but to give us freedom from those sins. They don't have to have the controlling interest in our life any longer. He's come to heal our world, ultimately one day from all sin and death. The ashes on our foreheads, 
They mark us. They remind us of death. But they mark us more deeply by the shape of the cross. That it's on the cross of Jesus that our sin is defeated. That our enemy is defeated. And that by the light of his love, we can see sin and death for what they are. And by the light of his love, we can take the risk to repent. Because Jesus went to his death to defeat our death. And we can only repent and risk because of the gospel. We can only repent and turn from sin and turn to the Lord if we have had an encounter with the Lord, with his goodness and with his grace. That's the only thing that makes it possible. My father-in-law was telling me about this novel he had just read about, uh, it was written by a South African writer named Alan uh, Patan. And it centers around a young police lieutenant. He's a husband and a father, and his name is Peter. And he struggles with depression, and he has what uh, we might call father issues. And he's on the verge of an affair with a younger woman. His wife and children are out of town, so he goes to see his good friend, a man named Cappy. Among other things, these two friends share an interest in the hobby of stamp collecting. And Peter shows up, intending to confess all of these things that are going on in his life to his friend. To say, um, as Alan uh, Patone writes, Peter knows what he should say. Cappy, I'm here to tell you of the deep misery of my life, and you must help me before I am destroyed. You must tell me something in God's name. But he says none of those things. Instead, Peter nonchalantly lies about why he really came. Cappy, he says, I'm sick of the empty house and I'm just wanting to see some stamps. So they listen to music together and they look at stamps. Cappy knew his friend had something deeper on his mind, so he says, Peter, you can come every night if you wish. I'll always be here. But Peter walks out and he never comes back. And the author writes, ah, if he could have told, and yet he did not tell. He wanted that moment of confession, that moment of repentance, that moment of turning, of of naming the sin and death that was going on in his life, sin that he had chosen, but sin that had also caught and chosen him. He can't muster up the courage to risk it, to risk saying it and speaking it to another person. But believing the gospel gives us courage to risk repentance, to risk confession, because in the church, repentance is always met with the gospel. In the church, confession should always be met with the grace of God, that no matter what sin has been in your life, that you have chosen or that has chosen you, no matter what, you are marked not first and foremost by that sin, but by the cross of Jesus, that his grace is for you, that you are forgiven of that sin, that there's power for you to be free of that sin. Whenever we make confession, that is the response. It is gospel. It is good news. It is forgiveness. 
If you've ever confessed your sin to a Christian or confessed your sin to a church and faced condemnation, then that is sin and that should be repented of. And that's part of the death and fallenness of our world. But I promise you, here, when you confess sin, you will meet gospel. You will be told that Jesus came to the cross to take on your sin, that Jesus rose again to give power to defeat sin. Maybe this is a risk you need to take tonight to confess to God or to another person here. Maybe it's an invitation to repent of believing that your own way is the best way. And instead, to believe that God's way of life is better than the way of sin. Maybe you need to confess that you've been treating sin in your life like a friend, not an enemy. Or at least an acquaintance or a roommate. You need to name it as an enemy that's out to destroy you. Maybe you're turning to Jesus and fighting in repentance tonight. It's repent of that sin that you've given up repenting and confessing. But again, to be filled with the courage to say, no, I don't want it in my life anymore. And to re-enter the battle. Sin breeds and multiplies in isolation, but it shrivels and dies in gospel relationship. Come in to the gospel tonight. Repent and believe it. Though sin wants to bring us death, God comes to bring us his life. He has made an enemy of our enemy. God invites us to turn from death by turning to him, the source and the giver of all life. We're not just turning away from an enemy. We're turning to a friend, a teammate, someone on our side. We turn from sin and realize that God has already turned his face toward us. That we can follow after God because he has already come to search for us. When Jesus comes to live, to die on the cross, to be raised again, he does that so that nothing can keep us from God. Sin wants to captivate us and take us away from God. God wants to come and free us so that we can come home to him. He has defeated everything that could separate us from him. Our enemy wants to keep us away, but he has drawn us in close. What could separate us from the love of God in Christ? Can death? No, he's defeated death. Can sin? No, He's forgiven sin. He's freed us from sin. Can height, can depth, can angels or principalities or powers, can anything keep us from the love of God? No, he's come so that we can turn to him. He can fight for us so we can fight against sin because he has won the battle. 
Jesus is the one who shuts the mouth of sin, the lion, and protects us from that crouching enemy. He is the one who washes us clean from the stain and makes us white as snow, dazzling. He is the one who pays the debt of sin that crushes us with his own life, with his own blood. He is the one who carries the burden that weighs us down so we don't have to carry it anymore. He is the one who touches us and heals us from disease. He is the one who frees us from our slave master so that we never have to be slaves again. He is the one who becomes our king and not a king who controls or tells or commands, but a king who invites us into his royal family. He longs so much to be with us. He just says, come and repent. Come and turn to me. Come and be with me. Don't let the enemy destroy your life. Come, let me give you life. This is the invitation. Repent. Believe the gospel. Be ruthless with the sin in your life. Do whatever it takes to rid yourself of it. In Jesus' name, in the power and strength of the resurrection, but be reckless with your repentance and your love for the Lord. Yeah, we have ashes on our heads, but they're in the sign of a cross because we were marked as Christ's own in our baptism. If you haven't been, you can be. We remember death and sin, but more than that, we do this in remembrance. We remember his forgiveness and freedom. And when we face sin in our lives, we can fight the battle for freedom. And Jesus will bring it in part now in fullness when we one day face our deaths. Because for everyone who is marked as Christ's own, death becomes a door to freedom and forgiveness when we see Jesus face to face. And that resurrection, everlasting life begins now as we repent and believe in Thanks for listening to this podcast from City of Light Anglican Church. We'd love to hear from you. You can find us online at cityoflightanglican.org. And now, may the light of Jesus scatter the darkness from before your path.